The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Today, um, we're going to read Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. I am going to read in English, and I'm only going to read a portion of this in Korean. Because last time did not go so well. Um, So Matthew 6, verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, now in Korean. Okay, so the Lord's Prayer. If I can find it. This is the word of the Lord. We don't know if you cut that short or not, so that's good. We, we have no idea. Well, at least some of us don't. Some of us might speak Korean. We love to be able to share God's word in all languages. I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful practice that we do here at Story City. How are you guys doing? You guys got me two weeks in a row. I'm sorry. No. My name is Samir. I'm one of your pastors here at Story City. Super grateful to be here with you guys and to be able to share God's word. We're continuing our series in Centered, where we have the foundations for loving God and people. We just really believe that establishing strong foundations of what it even means and what we believe and why we live and believe what we do here at Story City as Christians, as believers, as those that follow Jesus, what is that? What does that look like practically? We don't want to assume that we should know this. We want to be able to teach that and walk in that well. And that's what we're doing today. Last week we talked a little bit about reading the Bible. If you guys were here for that, I know it was a lot Hope some of you guys took some, some initiative and were able to read some of the Bible this week and, and almost feel like, wow, I can actually do this more confidently, more comfortably, not feeling like it's as intimidating, but actually engaging the presence of God as we read scripture. Um, and today we're going to go into how should we read, how should we pray? How should we pray? Another very foundational one. So I'm going to pray for us now. Good way to start a sermon on how we should pray. By praying. Um, and then we're going to go into it. Sound good? Let me pray. <sighs> Jesus, we come before you in, in need. Father, we pray to you 
as the creator, God, of all things. You've created us before. You knew us before we even were in our mother's womb. You know every hair on our head. You know everything about us in the depths of our souls. Lord, we need you. We desire you. God, we we pray that we can be more aware of your presence today. Be more aware of what you're saying to us here this morning. Be more aware of how you desire to be walking near to us as you love us and guide us and and walk with us and and transform us and renew us. Help us, God, as, as we've lived this life and as we've seen and heard and been hurt and been struggling through the journey of this life, give us clear eyes to see. Give us hearts to be able to receive. God, we need faith to receive you, God. You give us a gift of faith. Will you give that to us, Lord? We need you. God, as we go through this passage and these these scriptures and this message on how we should pray, God, will you give us wisdom by your spirit? Will you give us understanding by your spirit? Lord, we love you. We desire you. We come here not because there's cool music or because um, it's just a thing to do every Sunday. Lord, we come because we want to encounter you. We come because we desire you. We come because we want to be near to our heavenly father. And Jesus is the way for that to be possible. We thank you for your son. We thank you for our time. God, will you bless this word? Will you humble me? Will you bring me to my knees as I deliver this passage, this message, Lord? Will it be all you, Jesus, and not me? Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Right on time. You waited. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, there's, um, there's this well-known... Secular doctor, scientist, who emphasizes his study on human health and well-being. His name is Dr. Dean Ornish. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. It doesn't really matter. He's really well-known. He's done an intensive study on the best habits, the best foods, the best activities, relationships that will give a human life a life of flourishing and well-being. He's done intensive studies all throughout his career. He even wanted to study how we can prevent disease and even reverse disease. I think the cool thing about what he came across is pretty unique. He said this. He said this about his study. He said, there is nothing in medicine that I have studied that shows this high of an impact. And I hope right now you're like, what is it? What did he learn? He said this, and this was when I read this, I was like, wow. He said, the need for love and intimacy is a fundamental human need. It's as primal as the need for food, water, and air. That blew me away. This is a scientist, secular. This is not a Christian study. That... The need for love and intimacy is a primal need for humans. That it could even reverse disease. 
That's what he came across. Amazing how science points to the facts of God. We see in Genesis, as soon as sin came into the world, the intimacy and love was divided between God and humans. Sadly. But as a result, death, illness, disease caused havoc on humanity. Because love and intimacy was now divided between God and man. But by God's grace, this is the good news, right? The gospel, he pursued us unconditionally to point to the point of sending his own son to die for us so that we can be redeemed back into that relationship that we were originally intended to have with our creator. That nearness, that love, that intimacy that we initially were supposed to have in creation. This is why he gave us the Bible, right? And this is why he gave us prayer. The Bible is that source where we can get to know him, to be near to him. And he gave us prayer so that we can cry out to him and hear from him in a near and intimate way. Guys, these aren't just practices that are just Christian These are scientifically proven to be a source of fullness, fulfillment, health, revitalization. All of our being as humans were created for love and intimacy. And what greater love and intimacy than to the one and with the one that created us? Our Father. This is essential to our journey as people, as humans, and specifically as Christians and followers of Jesus. Because our greatest need is to be known and to know God and others. And when I say the word know, I'm using it in its, in its historic form, its origin form, known, which is to be deeply intimate and near to God and to others. This is the essence of why we exist. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, man is at his greatest and at his highest When upon his knees, he comes face to face with God. So in its most primitive form, this is why prayer changes things. This is why prayer changes things. It's not just a spiritual, mystic thing. This is scientific in its essence of who we are. Prayer changes our very being and changes circumstances spiritually and physically. Huge, 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 huge. And so for those that are struggling with this idea of prayer, what, what is it? What is it? And I want to give us a quick point of what prayer is just so we're all on the same page. Simply put, first point, prayer is enjoying and communicating with God by talking and listening to him. Simple. Prayer is enjoying and communicating with God by talking and listening to him. That sounds pretty simple. But yet we tend to complicate it and make it really, really difficult and hard to do or understand. 
Tim Keller, in his book, Prayer, he writes this. What is prayer then? In the fullest sense, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has already started through his word. God already initiated this thing called prayer. He started it. Right? He initiated it. And now we get to continue in it in response. He started the relationship. First and ultimately by bringing his son Jesus, but also giving us the word because he's speaking and he's alive. So we can experience God more intimately by answering these questions about prayer. And I hope these questions will give us a foundation, give us some insight, give us some tools to really live out a life of prayer that is near and intimate to God that we've never experienced before in a way that's new and fresh um, and hopefully just growing your walk and love for Jesus. The questions are, who do we pray to? That's important. We need to understand that real quick. Just who do we pray to? How should we pray practically? And then how can we hear God in the midst of prayer? Sound good? You guys excited about going through that? I think it's, I think it's an important Important understanding. This is not like a, um, I learned that already in seven, when I was seven years old. The prayer is important. And this is a constant, continuous practice that changes our lives for the rest of our time here on earth. So I hope you, you receive this. So who do we pray to? That's the first question. Who do we pray to? This is the second point I'm going to point out today. We pray to our pleased father. Through the perfect son, by the power of the spirit. We pray to our pleased father through the perfect son, by the power of the spirit. I'm going to emphasize that a little bit and help us understand what that means. Because ultimately God exists as one God in three persons. The father, son, and spirit. Well, this may sound like a random theological conversation or or jargon, it's not. It's so essential for our basic grasp of the Trinity in order to even know who we're praying to. It's so, so important. If we want to go back and listen to the, the study of the Trinity, Jared spoke on that on episode 233 in our Story City podcast. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that's why we have that there so we can go and grasp God's word more together. So if you want to hear that more deeply, definitely go there. Because the reality is if, God, if prayer is about our God, then our prayer lives will only deepen as we get to know God more. So if we don't know who we are praying to, prayer is meaningless. It just becomes a self-encouragement. Right? We need to know who we're praying to. So generally, we pray to God our Father by the Son, by God the Son, through God the Spirit. So to the Father. And when Jesus taught people to pray, he said in Matthew 6, 9, like we read earlier, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. This, this desire of tr- being a, a trusting, being, being, being a trusting child of God, right? Like this, this child that just trusts their father so, so deeply. A loved child of the Father, that we desire his presence. Like, Father, you're here. I'm praying to you. 
So that's where we, where we start. And then through the Son, what does that mean? In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we learn that the only reason our prayers are heard is because Jesus, the Son, is our mediator. He is the one who purifies our prayers and makes us presentable to God through his sacrifice. The redemption work that Jesus did is the only way that the curtain was then torn so that we can have direct, in, uh, in direct intimacy and relationship with God the Father. Without Jesus, there's no possible way to go to the Father. So that's why we pray through Jesus, through his righteousness, through his work that now has been imputed to us, that we can now directly go to the Father. And then by the Spirit. In Romans 8, 7 tells us the Spirit intercedes for us, helping us to know what we should even pray for. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like just sitting there, I don't know what to pray, I don't know what to say. Sometimes we just sit there and, and, and the Spirit's praying for us. That the power of the Spirit of God that lives in us, it lives in every Christian, gives us the words or the thoughts or the needs that we have either for us or others, to be able to even pray and bring that forward. So by the power of the Spirit. So now with a little bit of clarity of who we pray to, which is the creator of the universe in three persons, how do we now approach him in prayer? How does that practically look? How do we now do that well? So it's my third point. We must pray for God's glory and for our needs. We must pray for God's glory and for our needs. See, God doesn't want us to recite a list of meaningless words in prayer. He wants us. Us. Because our motivation in prayer matters we must understand the gospel in order to motivate our prayers well. We must understand what I shared about Jesus and what he's done that draws us near to the Father. That encourages and motivates us to want to pray. It's not just words. It's not just a practice. It's not just something like, hopefully if I do this enough, then good things will happen to me. It's a nearness and an intimacy. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. We read this, but I want to read this section really quick. This is Jesus. He's, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, the greatest sermon that he's ever preached. Right? His, 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 his really his, his invite party, his, his time where he's able to like, this is who I am. This is what I'm preaching. This is what I'm teaching. He stops somewhere in the middle between that and tells people, this is how we should pray. And he says this in the beginning of that. He says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine that the, uh, I'm sorry, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you even ask him. 
You see, it's not about how many good words we can say. I mean, I've been guilty of this, sitting in a, in a community group or, or sometimes people say, hey, can you pray for the, and then you're trying, okay, what should I say? Um, I need to sound like I know God. I need to sound religious. I need to have the right words. I need to say it well. And sometimes I need to realize, like, I just need to shut up <laughs> and just listen to the hearts of the people and listen to what God is saying. And maybe it's a three-word prayer. And it's more powerful and needed than the babbling that I can then go on to, to just say. Because it's not about those words. It's not, a, it's not words. It's not self-righteousness. All that stuff falls to deaf ears. It's not true intimate relationship with the Father. When we understand who we are and where we came from, And what he has done through Jesus, it creates in us a desire to be with him and to hear from him. If we don't care to pray, a new system or a new way of doing it really is not going to help. It really comes to the soul, to the heart, to the depth of our understanding of the gospel. So in light of this, then how should we pray? Thank God that Jesus is clear in his teachings and he gives us ways to do things and how to live and he shares it here. How do we pray? The Lord's Prayer. We just read it. I'm going to read it one more time. And you guys, when, I was, when, she, when Susan was reading it, I was like reciting it with her, right? I mean, that's like a, it's like a, a prayer that we know very well or that we've heard plenty of times. I'm going to read it one more time. And if you want, you can say it with me or just recite it in your head. The Lord's Prayer, verse 9 through 13. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here, we're not being asked to actually memorize and recite meaningless words. That's not the point of why Jesus gave us this description or this prayer. He's not saying go and just repeat this over and over again and and you'll figure it out. He's giving us a a template or or a guideline to, to how to pray. And he even gives the description, don't do it like those Pharisees, those religious people, those ones that the whole area, the whole people group said, these are the religious ones. These are the ones we look up to spiritually. But he's saying, don't do it like them. Jesus was a rebel, guys. I love it. He went against the grain. He said, but do it this way, in this pattern. So in his book called More by Alan Craft, he breaks down the Lord's Prayer into six sections that leads us into how these six sections in the Lord's Prayer can really help guide us in how we should pray. Right? What is Jesus saying in these six, six sections that really can be instantly applied for us as we pray? The first one, he says, is presence. These are all going to be P's, so, which I love because it helps us remember, remember things well. Presence, right? He says, our Father in heaven. Very first thing. 
to enjoy your relationship with your father who has adopted you as his child through Christ's finished work. To be present with the father. That's the very first thing Jesus is saying. Pray to our father. Be present. Know that he's present and that you're going into his presence, our father. The second one is praise. Take time to praise, right? To say, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, God. You are holy, holy, holy. There's none like you. You are the only one that I come to in need. You, God, are who I worship. And and what I need only comes from you. Praise is so important in that section. We spend time worshiping him for who he is and what he has done in Christ. So we praise him. That's the second one. The third one is purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus said, right? This is where we spend time asking him to take his kingdom, to make his kingdom come in the world and in our life. His kingdom, not ours. This is the purpose of our prayer. God, we know that you are better. Your kingdom's greater than our kingdom. We need your kingdom to come here and now on this earth. We need healing, which is where your kingdom is. We need wisdom. We need direction. We need peace. We need your power. We need your understanding. We need you, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's the purpose of why we pray. And then we go in in our time of prayer and we, we ask for provision. We say, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Spend time asking for his provision in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. We're saying, God, we need. We are in need. We are humans. We are fragile. We are broken. We are desperate for you. We need. Like our family is hurting. Will you be with us? My finances are all over the place. I need clarity. My health, my wife's health, my family's health, whatever health situations, will you bring healing? Will you bring clarity? Will you help us understand what to do? Will you give us wisdom? Will you give us a job? With something, Lord, will you provide? We ask and we pray for provision to come. And then Jesus goes and he says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those that have sinned against us. This is the fifth one, which is pardon. Pardon. We pray for a pardon. We, we recognize our sin. We recognize our brokenness. We recognize our need for a Savior and that he has provided this forgiveness already. But we say, God, I have sinned. Thank you. We don't always need to ask for forgiveness because he has ultimately forgiven us when he justified us through Jesus. This is once and for all, forever. It's not a constant need. Like if, if, if I don't ask for prayer today, I'm not going to be saved. It's not how it works. We do it in a place of pardon. We say, thank you, God, for your forgiveness, for I have sinned against you. I repent. I turn from my sin. I need your forgiveness daily, daily for everyone. This is for the non-believer and the believer. We come and say, Lord, I need you. And with that, we get saved every single day. That time of pardon. And then at the end, we pray for protection. We pray for protection. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This world is just rampaged by sin and evil and destruction because of the fall. And we need protection from the evil one. 
And that's where we seek God for that. So presence, praise, purpose, provision, pardon, protection. That's the template. That's the pattern of the prayer that Jesus has given us here. I mean, if you reciting the prayer helps you remember these things, then great. It doesn't mean you don't do that. But the point is, is this, this pattern, this, this template of, of how we pray, what we need to pray, comes in this pattern. I know it's helpful to hear practical things. And so I want to give you a little bit of practical ways. Like where and how should I do this? Like if you don't really pray or you don't have a pattern of prayer in your life, here are some really easy things you can start doing. One is just pray through the scriptures. I mean, the book of Psalms is like, Psalms are just huge. There's prayers all over the Bible. And so as you read scripture, you can pray the prayer of the passage that you're reading along with the reading of the passage. It's, It's pretty... Easy, but it's also powerful. That's one way. Another way is even setting rhythms in your life, specific times or places where daily or or weekly that you go and and you know that this time is set aside for my prayer to the Lord. Like just creating rhythms in your life. Another one is, which I like to do, is pray aloud. You know, I know sometimes it feels weird or awkward to do that, um, I want to make sure that no one can hear me just because I'm not thinking about what are they thinking. You know, I want to make sure it's really near and dear to Jesus. So you can pray aloud to God. I think it's powerful. There, there's this powerful way when you do that, um, you hear yourself and you hear your cries to the Lord in a way that, that really brings just a firm belief of why you're doing it. And as you do that, you know, always do that with others as well. And the last two that I really love is pray through journaling. That's one of the ways that I love doing it. I just, when I journal, when I write my prayers to the Lord, I feel like it, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm writing to him, like I'm writing a letter to God. And there's just something powerful about that. And then pray outside while walking. Just go for a walk. You know, when you're feeling like, man, agitated, something's up, like my heart is in need, just go for a walk and just start talking to him. You know, and, and remember, this, this guideline that Jesus gives us is not like every time you pray, like, oh, what was the next one? Um, uh, praise. Okay, I got to make sure I praise. No, like, I mean, that's not the desire. That's not the heart of it. The spirit of it is to give us a full picture of like, what to do when we walk in a time of prayer with the Lord. But as we pray, we're talking, we're conversating, we're drawing near, right? It's that intimacy, that need we have for connection. The depths of our soul are in need. That Tim Keller in his book on prayer, he says this. He says, prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves and our affections. It's the real, like, the only way we can really draw near to Jesus where we say, God, I know my affections and my loves are just not in line with where they should be. But in the depths of prayer, and even that prayer alone, like, God, I don't know what to do with that. Just the realness, the, the, the truth behind that is where real change happens. And lastly, how do we hear God in the midst of it, right? 
we kind of discussed how we speak, how we share, how we talk, how do we, receive, how do we send out prayers to God. But now, how do we hear from God? Right? We believe that God is alive. We believe that God is real and, and alive and powerful today. How do we hear from him? Fourth point of the day, the last point. God is our loving father who not only loves hearing from us, but also loves speaking to us. God is our loving father who not only loves hearing from us, but also loves speaking to us. See, we will typically hear from God in prayer when we seek him by doing these things. First, we seek him with humility, knowing that we need him. I need to hear from you, Lord. I'm humbled before you. I need you. Second, with honesty, genuineness. We have to come in this way in order to hear from God with honesty. Not hidden intentions. We don't go in like, all right, I'm going to go pray because if I pray, I know that means I'm going to get this promotion. So I'm going to go and pray with that hidden intention. No. Psalm 145.18, the Lord is near all who call out to him. All who call out to him with integrity. He knows the depths of our hearts. He knows the depths of our soul. Even if we struggle to come to him that way, let's share that with him. God, I don't know why, but every time I'm going to come to you, I come to you because I need something. Or I want to get something from you. God, help me with that. Help me with that. I don't know why that is. I need help with that. That's just the realness and the genuine integrity that we come to God with. And then third, with faith. And not doubting his wisdom or power. Right? We're expecting to hear from him in the sense that sometimes we doubt. Like, Man, I wonder if he's going to speak. Not that. I mean, we're not doubting when we hear from him that what he says is what we need. Right? Because sometimes we question the word from God that we get because it's not always what we hoped or wanted. Right? God says in Isaiah 55.9, he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He, he knows like 10 steps ahead of us. Even though in the moment it might not feel like the right thing, he knows. But how do I know that, that what he is saying is actually from him? How do I know that this is actually God? Is this really God when I hear this word? I, hope, I think that's probably what you were thinking when I was saying that, right? Because that's important. And so here are a few quick tidbits, four little points of like how do we know if this is God when he speaks? Or as we're quiet, as we're doing these things, that we're humble, we're honest, we're praying in faith, and then we wait and listen, and then we hear something. How do we know if it's actually God? Real quick. First off, scripture. Is it aligned with God's word? Right? If it's not from God's word, then it's not from God. If it's not aligned with the scriptures, then it's not from God, right? If, if it says, you know, you don't have to love your neighbor. You can just, like, do something else, and, and then you'll be fine, and, and, like, it's not God, right? If it's not what scripture says, then we know first and foremost that it's against God's word. Second is the tone, the tone of, of what you hear, right? Did this word seem like a loving father would say it? Right? It, it, it may still be a challenging word. I'm not saying that. It could be challenging. But was it loving? 
Did it make you feel dirty or guilty or unloved or, 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 or just not well with your soul? Then, then likely that's not from God. That's not from God. Because he will give us a tough word, but he'll do it in love. He'll make us feel comforted in it. He'll make us feel like we're loved and, and received and, and embraced by how he gives the word. So the tone matters. And then third, in community. Hey, I heard this word. I don't know if this is God or not. Help me understand. Help me discern if this is him. Ask friends that love Jesus. Ask, ask loved ones. Ask, help me understand. I heard this. This is why. This is where I see it in the scriptures. This is the tone that I heard it in. Do you feel like this is accurate? And then fourth, the fruit of it. Does, does the fruit bear goodness in the word that was given? Would this word lead you or others into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in Christ? Because if not, then this, it's probably not from the Lord. So as we close this morning, I hope you give it, you're given some tools, some ways of thinking through prayer um, that, will, that will help draw us near and intimate to the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit in a way that will revitalize your relationship with him greater and more intimately and near to him. I want to actually give us time right now to do that, to, to give you time, to give us time to pray this way, to, to, to be near, to, to know who we are praying to, as you go into this time of prayer, to know that you're praying to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. That by the way Jesus taught us how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, that we pray for his presence, we pray praise, we pray with purpose of his kingdom coming, we pray for provision, we pray for pardon, and we pray for protection. And then we do that so we can hear his voice. We want to pray with humility, honesty, and faith. And so I want us to do that now. I want to give us some time because today it actually worked out great. Today is a day for communion. And in our time of communion, the, way, the reason it's called communion is because we get to commune with God. We get to be near to God. We get to eat with God. You guys have to understand that, that eating, and I'm sure you know this, when you go to a meal and when you have a meal with someone or when you invite people over for a meal, it's a very intimate thing to do. Especially back in this day. That eating with people was, was just one of the most nearest intimate things you can do with someone. And so one of the practices God gave us outside of reading the word, outside of prayer, is communion. All of these things point to drawing near. All these things point to being intimate, being close and understanding God greater. And so we get to do that now. We get to pray this way. We get to draw near to him and we get to commune with him. Communion is where we get to remember what Jesus did on the cross. We get to remember that the blood he shed is what redeemed us, is what, what allowed us to be able to be near to the Father. And the body that he broke, his, his, his body that he gave up, he sacrificed. He said, I'll do it because I love them. There was a moment where he was like, God, is there any other way? But he knew there was no other way. Well, if there's no other way, then let's do it. I love them that much. And we get to do this. We get to have communion together, remembering this truth, remembering that we are loved 
by God the creator. I'm going to pray for us and then you're going to have that time where you get to pray, be near to Jesus. You get to have communion as, as you desire to, however time, whatever time, way, time frame you want to. And this time is yours. I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to pray a benediction in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 in, in it. And so as I finish my prayer, this time is for you. Let me pray. God, we are humbled that we get to be with you. That you did not create us because you just felt like it. You created us because you desire to be near to us. You created us because you want to be with us and walk with us. You sent your son and named him Emmanuel, Lord. You, you are with us and near to us. Help us, God, draw near to you because you've pursued us. You've ran after us. You've cried out and shouted, here I am. I will give my son for you. And God, we continue to turn away. But Lord, we're coming now and saying, we need you, Lord. We remember you, Lord. We receive this communion knowing that you have shed your blood, that you have broken your body so that we can know you. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This time's for you. <laughs>